Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's time for Come and Talk It with your host, Michael Cargill, brought to you by Texas Law Shield. Over the last decade, Michael has championed and supported the rights of law-abiding Texans to own and use firearms. He is the owner of Central Texas Gunworks, a veteran of the United States Army, and has achieved national exposure in such prestigious media outlets such as Forbes Magazine, Fox Business News, CNN Money, AOL, BBC World News, Huffington Post, and the New York Times. Cargill vigorously defends lawful gun ownership in this country without regard to party politics. And now, here's Michael Cargill. Good day, Austin, Texas, the live music capital of the world. Let's praise the Lord and pass the ammunition. That's right, the Nick's Denial Notification Act of 2022. If you don't know, you're going to learn today, let me tell you. As of September 26th of 2022, that is September 26th, 2022, if you are denied a firearm via background check or you are delayed a firearm via background check, you will be reported to the FBI and local law enforcement. That's right. So here's how it's going to happen. All right. So you walk into the gun store and you fill out a firearms transaction record. And if you do not have your license to carry handgun. When you fill out that form, the gun store has to contact the FBI to do a background check on you for you to get the firearm. Well, there's three responses that the gun store gets. One is a proceed, two is a delayed, or three, a denied. Proceed, out you go with the gun. Delayed, you have to wait three business days unless the gun store calls you back sooner. Or denied, meaning that something on the form either you lied about, you were not aware of, or you forgot about when you answer those questions on the form. So, and the background check can take anywhere from 30 seconds to three days to come back. If for any reason the, the background check does not come back in three business days, the gun store can transfer the firearm to you after the third business day. It's up to the gun store. Some stores will, some stores won't. So it's up to that individual owner of the gun store. So, the Nix Denial Notification Act of 2022 says, guess what? Well, if you are delayed in that transaction, delayed, let's say your name is similar to someone else's. Let's say, um, I don't know, it's late in the day, three, four o'clock in the afternoon, and they're kind of busy and they're not getting the response they need. And that examiner is getting ready to get off for the, get off for the day. 
and so they delay your transaction until they get a response because they're going home. Um, or, you know, your name is Carlos Rodriguez, you know, uh, Michael Smith or, you know, John Smith, a very common name. You can get delayed. Then if you're delayed and if you are denied, the the NICS, which is the, the ATF, is going to report you to the FBI, Federal Bureau of Investigations, and also to the local law enforcement of where you live. And that's according to the NICS Denial Notification Act of 2022. So I recommend you get your license to carry handgun so that way there's no delay. There's no denial. You have your license to carry handgun. Your background check's already been done. Also, I want to cover, you know, H.R. 2471, uh, which is I want to go in a little more detail with that NICS Transaction Act with Edwin Walker, Texas U.S. Law Shield. Also, I want to go into detail with uh, Senate Bill 2938. That was passed on June 25th of 2022. That's when the president signed it into into law. You know, and they passed their first gun control act in decades. We're going to talk with Edwin Walker. He's the principal attorney for Texas U.S. Law Shield. Edwin, welcome to Come and Talk, sir. Hello, Mike. How are you? Hey, I'm doing outstanding. How are you doing this Sunday? Oh, I'm fine. Thanks for having me. All right. So, Edwin, you know, the Senate Bill 2938, this, you know, the, the gun control bill that was actually passed before, you know, the U.S. Congress went, it passed the, the, the House, it passed the Senate, the governor signed it. You know, Edwin, I need to find out what is actually in this bill because they're talking about, you know, tougher background checks. They're talking about $15 billion they're going to they're gonna spend in federal funding for mental health. They're talking about funding the, you know, in, you know, encouraging states to implement a red flag law. They're also talking about, you know, closing the boyfriend loophole. What in the world is all that about, Edwin? Yeah, and, and so this bill came about uh, as part of a compromise uh, between the Democrats, who obviously never met a gun control bill that they didn't like, and uh, 12 Republicans who decided that they needed to create this compromise bill, I suppose, either in an effort to show that they are doing something, uh, which of course is what everybody says after there's any kind of uh, tragedy involving firearms, somebody has to do something. So they're either showing they're doing something or they were attempting to possibly head off uh, worse gun control legislation that we have seen the House previously passed before this, have subsequently passed after this, uh, terrible, terrible pieces of gun control. Uh, so I believe these Republicans were thinking, if they were thinking about this, uh, that they could head this off. Of course, uh, we all know that that's a fool's errand, and um, you know uh, uh, you can't really compromise on this. Every piece of federal gun legislation that's ever been introduced or passed has been a compromise by the lawful gun owner, and so this is just more chipping away. Now, one thing I will say that it did not do is it did not uh, directly create an additional category of prohibited persons, except for this boyfriend loophole that we're going to uh, talk about in a little bit. And it did not create any specifically prohibited weapons, uh, which of course is the great fear. And that's ultimately what the gun controllers want is they want to ultimately prohibit semi-automatic rifles, many semi-automatic handguns, uh, and they want to prohibit you know, regular standard capacity magazines that just happen to hold over 10 rounds. All right. So Edwin, so, so if, if I walk into the gun store 
and I'm 21 years, well, let's say I'm 18, I'm 19, or I'm 20 years of age, and I want to purchase a rifle, an AR-15, what, what should I expect? Well, you should expect a longer than uh, the delay that you were just speaking of, the three-day delay. Uh, you will not get a three-day delay. You will get a 10-business-day delay. Mm. Uh, since they stuck in the word business day, that's actually, in effect, two weeks, uh, including weekends. And so what this was done specifically in response to uh, the Uvalde shooting, where, of course, uh, anytime, like I said, there is a firearms tragedy, the anti-gun folks will focus in on a legal aspect of the transaction that they believe will generate the most emotion. And in this particular case, it was that an 18-year-old uh, was able to go lawfully go into a gun store and lawfully purchase a rifle and then, of course, use that rifle for horrendous, terrible things. Uh, but that's what they focused in on is that why should an 18 year old who can't even buy beer be allowed to go purchase a deadly weapon of war that shouldn't be on our streets in the first place? Oh, of my course, Okay, Edwin, um, Edwin, we come back from the break. I'm going to need you to repeat that again and go in detail with that because we're talking about I'm 18, 19, 20 years of age, and I should be able to walk into the gun store and purchase a firearm. But the law has been changed now, so it's going to be a little different. So we're going to tell you what you should expect when you walk into the gun store at 18, 19, or 20. Uh, we come back from the break. We got this to cover. We're going to talk about that. Uh, Nick's Denial Notification Act with Edwin Walker, the principal attorney with Texas and U.S. Law Shield. This is Michael Cargill, and you are listening to Come and Talk It. Peace, this is Maj Toure. You're listening to Come and Talk It Radio with Michael Cargill. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now here's Michael Cargill. All right, so we're back and we're talking about the new gun legislation that's actually passed the U.S. Congress, the Senate, the House, and the president has signed it. We're talking about H, I'm sorry, Senate Bill 2938, the gun control bill of 2022. And so if you're 18, 19, 20 years old and you walk into the gun store, what it was before is you should be able to walk in, fill out the form, do the background check, 
and we call the FBI, and you walk out unless there's something in your criminal history. But now it's different. There's a delay. It hasn't started yet, and I don't know when that's going to start, but I'm telling you, it hasn't started yet. You know, I guess they'll surprise us. The the FBI, the ATF, the Knicks, I'm not sure when they, they're going to enact this because the technically the president has signed it, so it goes into effect immediately. But it hasn't started just yet. So if you're 18, 19, or 20, you better run. And my question to you out there in the uh, radio land on YouTube, uh, my question to you is, uh, hey, would this have pre- prevented the shooting that happened? So what if I walk into the gun store, I'm 18, 19, 20 years old, and they delay my transaction? Does that mean I just it, it, just, de- it just delays the shooting is all it's going to do? You still are going to commit the shooting. You're still going to commit the crime. If you're dead set on killed and killing random people, you're going to wait and kill those random people a little longer. It's not going to prevent that shooting. That's just me. But I have Edwin Walker, principal attorney with Texas U.S. Law Shield. He's on the phone. He's telling us about, you know, uh, Senate Bill 2938. If you're 21, what should you expect when you walk into the gun store? Edwin. Yeah, and maybe it also pushes you either into, uh, you know, the the gray market, the black market, or into already going and and committing another illegal act. Mm. Uh, You know, as we saw um, with the, you know, with the Sandy Hook shooter, uh, he actually killed his own mother mm. to gain access to her uh, to her AR rifle, and so you know, yeah, this is uh, to, to to aim this to say, oh, this is going to prevent the next uh, eighteen, nineteen, twenty year old mass shooter is uh, it's a folly, but it's it's what the anti gun folks engage in. I know they're they're, so, they're, they're yeah. expecting they're expecting people to. You know, someone who kills their mother, someone who shoots their grandmother to care about a law. Yeah, and no, it's 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 completely, you know, like I said, it, it's it's just simply a way to emotionalize uh, people to, to gain their further, you know, to, to further their agenda. Which, uh, just for your listeners, um, if you were to see the press conference, or it wasn't really a press conference because nobody asked questions, uh, but if you were to see the, uh, the, the White House Garden, uh, Rosa Garden statement, uh, whenever they finally talked about this law, which was done a couple of, couple of weeks after it was passed, uh, they had, of course, the president, the vice president, they had a doctor from Uvalde who's become fairly prominent uh, lately. I've seen him on several different things. And they had a, uh, I believe, a gentleman from New York talking, who's, uh, who, whose, I believe, mother was, was very tragically killed in the Buffalo shooting. And so they brought these four together, and they all unilaterally said that this, the signing of this law, the signing of this bill uh, to make it a law was merely the first step and that they were not going to stop and that they were encouraged mm-hmm. by this first step and they were going to continue pushing until they had a ban on all semi-automatic magazine-fed mm-hmm. uh, firearms as well as uh, magazines. So uh, so for your 18, 19, 20-year-old, 
they will look for, you know, if they intend on doing bad things, they will look for alternate methods. Uh, but what this does is, is that what's nefarious, really nefarious about this, and you may say, well, it affects, you know, people who aren't yet 21. So we're all over 21. It doesn't affect us. So what it does is it develops a system. And the reason it's not into effect yet is because the ATF has to develop this system, uh, develop a system of enhanced background checks. And with enhanced background checks, it means that they will order the state authorities to comb through a juvenile record, uh, which that's going to be very difficult. Some juvenile records are sealed, some are not. So it's or it's given them more time to comb through juvenile records. It uh, will also allow the combing through of juvenile health records, which that has, of course, HIPAA implications. Uh, there's going to be a lot of people involved in that. And also, interestingly enough, uh, the NICS background check will contact local law enforcement officials mm. to see mm. if there's anything disqualifying in this 18, 19, 20-year-old's background. Now, uh, what I imagine will happen is in the event that there are people who are denied, 18, 19, 20-year-olds who are denied purchasing because of this enhanced background check, um, what we will see is we will see an individual, and I, I don't want to give the anti-gun folks any ideas, but obviously I have to warn us, you know, what us good folks uh, about what is possibly coming around the corner, is that uh, there will be a 20-year-old who will be, uh, who will intend on doing very terrible things with a firearm, and he will be smart enough to know that he cannot pass one of these enhanced background checks when he's 20, year old, 20 years old, but he just simply waits until he is 21 uh, to go buy the gun. So uh, very interesting. If your birthday is, say, July 25th, July 24, you, get, you have to go through this two-week enhanced background check, buy the gun on July 25th or 26th. You do not. You're just a regular adult who's trying to purchase a rifle. Uh, I assume I, I, I basically predict that the first person who does that and does a terrible thing, uh, that the media and the anti-gun folks will will immediately call this the birthday loophole, mm. and uh, <laughs> then Congress, of course, will be prompted to uh, pass new legislation that will close the birthday loophole and thus expand these enhanced background checks two-week-long background checks to everybody who wants to purchase a firearm. That's my prediction. And I can it's name, and I can name I about 20, 20 mass shootings where this would not have prevented the shooting. You know, I can start oh. back in the 1960s with the shooting that happened at the UT Tower in, in Austin, Texas. Would not have prevented that shooting. I mean, and I can go straight down the list from there, you know. Uh, so. Oh, yes. You know, we're talking, so so Edwin, we're talking, I'm 18, I'm 19, I'm 20 years old. I have to wait how many days? What's the delay? Well, it's 10 business days, uh, which will obviously uh, work out to 14 regular days because holidays are not business days. Obviously, when we take a block of 10 days, regardless of where you start chopping them up, right. it's going to include two weekends. So if I come so in, I, I go into the gun store on a Thursday it goes Friday, it skips Saturday, Sunday, it goes Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, mm -hmm. Thursday, Friday, it That's skips seven. Saturday is Sunday, it goes as long as Monday is not a holiday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then on Friday, I can pick up the gun. Uh, yes. Wow. Thursday or Friday, depending upon when they turn in the paperwork. And keep in mind, in, in a... a 
in addition to the rule that you spoke about at the beginning of your show, uh, if there is a delay or deny, now they're on the list. Uh, their information is um, their information is given to local authorities, and uh, they're put on a list. And perhaps you know, even if it was just a delay, uh, they're going to have their Second Amendment rights removed from them from a, for an indefinite period of time. So it was a little tricky. So what they did first back in March, they passed the HR twenty four seventy one, the Nick's Denial Notification Act, which means that if you're delayed, you know, doing a transaction, denied. You get reported to all your information sent into the FBI and local law enforcement. So since you're 18, 19, 20 years old, you're automatically delayed because of the Nick's Denial Notification Act. You're automatically reported to the FBI and local law enforcement. Yeah, it's a you know it it, it is a system whereby they are we as we as lawful gun owners. We are the proverbial frog in the pot of water that is being heated to boiling temperature. Mm. They're just, they're, they're nibbling around the edges. And by the time you turn around and look, uh, they will have done some substantial infringements onto your, uh, onto your gun rights, including uh, the creation of a gun registry, which is specifically prohibited by federal legislation. Uh, but I, I have no doubts that the ATF is is right now attempting to create a gun registry and uh, these re- these reporting requirements uh, and the fact that, uh, you know, uh, light FFLs are now required to keep records forever and ever and ever and ever. Uh, and when they go out of business, turn those records over to the ATF. Um, that's it's just they're 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 doing this in a very nefarious way, but they are very methodical and they're very intentional about it. So, Edwin, uh, do you think that maybe they're trying to get around this federal prohibition on gun registries by just making de facto registries? Oh yeah, no, no, no. I th- I, th- I think that's their plan all along. Yes, Congress cannot pass a law that's well. I guess they could repeal the law saying you can't have a registry, but uh, you can't have a registry, so they can't create. They can't. Uh, they can't. You know, straightforwardly create a registry. Uh, but yeah, if you look at the little things, uh, like I said, the the change in policy to require gun dealers to keep records forever instead of just twenty years, um, because they know that. You know, guns, FFLs don't last forever. What happens to those records? They all get turned into the ATF. They're they're keeping them in a giant warehouse. And now they can easily scan them because of the change in the document that was done a few years ago, where they put basically the person's, all the person's personal information and all the information about the firearm that they acquired on one single page. So now... We're talking with Edwin Edwin Walker. He's a principal attorney with Texas U.S. Law Shield. We're talking about the Nix Denial Notification Act. We're talking about Senate Bill 2938, I'm sorry, 2938, the gun control bill that's been signed into law. This is Michael Cargill, and you are listening to Come and Talk It. This is Coley on Noir, and you're listening to Come and Talk It with Michael Cargill. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. 
You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now here's Michael Cargill. All right, so we're talking about the Nick's Denial Notification Act. We're talking about the gun control bill of uh, the Senate Bill 2938. And we're breaking this down with, with Edwin Walker. He's a principal attorney with Texas and U.S. Law Shield. And we got some questions in the studio. Kyle, you got some questions for us. What you got, Kyle? Yeah, hey, so we all know that the Nick's system has been around for some time. We all know that monthly, quarterly, like throughout the year, any given store is going to have a stack of denied NICS forms. Mm-hmm. That means that the feds know that there is anywhere from two to 25 denials sitting around in any given shop. Yes. Yet, like most other federally implemented gun control measures, the feds are not acting on it. So how is expanding on this one, uh, you know, in this case, the NICS system, expanding on that, making it delve deeper, making the, the delays in the, the, the time and the um, uh, what consequences and all that uh, gr- greater. Like, how, is it, how is it supposed to do anything except for just give the feds more stuff on record that they just sit on and wait for uh, something bad to happen? Right. So someone walks into the gun store and they get denied today, right now, this moment in time. There's no reporting. So the the Knicks, the the F the FBI or the ATF, typically it's the ATF, can contact the gun store, which they do sometimes, and they say, Hey, this person was denied. Go ahead and send us the 4473, the firearms transaction record, email or fax that to us so we can take a look at this and and, and check this person out. Right. Now, that's what they should be doing. And so what Congress should have done is they say, you know what, we need to enforce or make sure that the ATF is investigating the denials is what they should have done. Right. But they didn't do that. Right. Instead, they created something else, you know. And it's, it's just, it's so odd to me because like the Buffalo shooter, um, like the uh, uh, 
Sutherland Springs shooter and so many others, the feds already know about these shooters. Yes. And they, they just sit on it. Right? Yeah, the Sutherland Springs shooter should have been denied because he had a dishonorable discharge. From exactly. Military, right. 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 So, or, I mean, or, or he was uh, like convicted, you know, for a domestic violence. Or exactly. Something. And that, that, that's where he got yeah, going he, on there. Yeah, he was beating his wife on right. base. Yeah. So that's how he got his dishonorable discharge. But there's that. There's um uh the uh was it the Parkland uh shooter down mm-hmm. in uh, uh Florida right where uh you got students of a high school they're documenting threatening uh, social media posts and all Law sorts of other stuff. Law enforcement had been called to the home multiple times. Exactly. Right. Yeah. And nothing was done. Nothing was done. No. And and even even on the day of some of these mass shootings, the cops just you know you've got Pulse nightclub. Mm. Cops barricade the shooter inside, so he's got a shooting gallery of of, of unarmed targets in there. They can't mm. get out. Yeah, they who cannot get out for for what was it, an hour and twenty or something like that. Mm. And then you had Uvalde, same thing. And then three hundred and twenty seven cops outside, right? Ex- exactly, mm. and some of them inside getting hand sanitizer. Mm. Um, it's <laughs> just taking, their, taking their text messages. Yeah, yeah. No, it's just it's, it's so. Mm. It's sad. Yeah, it, it it really does blow the mind that people think that the feds are going to do something like out there in the ether of, uh, you know, combing through records and this and that, and then they're just going to reach out and touch someone. That they're going to do some good, right? Yeah, exactly. Versus, you know, the reality of it, which is even on the day of that, you know, mass casualty attack, they law enforcement doesn't do anything. Hey, Edwin, uh, Edwin Walker, principal attorney with Texas U.S. Law Shield, chime in on this uh, gun control cool. bill here. Yeah, I think in this case, uh, just with regard to your previous conversation, uh, the, the kind of ominous part about this new law is the notification to local law enforcement uh, for delays. Um, it's the delay part that really bothers me. Uh, you know, and if there is a deny, um, perhaps this will, you know, facilitate. There are people who are wrongfully denied, just like you explained in your opening, and those people are entitled to appeal that denial. And if they find out that they were wrongfully denied, and it's because of something like they've been misidentified with another individual, or they, uh, you know, there's something on the record that shouldn't be, they can get a U pin, and that will uh, will speed up the process. Uh, but of course, I totally agree with your initial. A statement that the best way to speed up the process is to get yourself a uh, Texas license to carry. That is somewhat foolproof. Uh, so go out and get that Texas license to carry. But it's it's I think the notification of delays that is troubling, as well as the, the providing this information to local law enforcement, because. I think that local law enforcement, you know, yes, we've seen some terrible examples of when they do not act in situations where they are 100% justified in acting. Um, You know, I would not put it past some local law enforcement agencies to uh, act to harass people whenever they are not yet justified in doing that. Uh, Because keep in mind, there's about 2,600 law enforcement agencies in the state of Texas. So 2,600 of those, uh, how many in your area get notification? I mean, just wherever you're at, uh, there is probably a dozen law enforcement agencies that have jurisdiction over your address. So... (laughs) 
You know, is everybody given notification? Your county sheriff, your county constable, the DPS, your local law enforcement, the particular school district you live in. If you have a, you know, if you live in an ISD that has got its own law, uh, you know, got its own police force, are they given notification? Well, uh, on that, I got a question uh, because Texas recently became a uh, 2A sanctuary state. So, yeah. uh, so, so say that local, uh, law enforcement, uh, you know, agency, um, be it the sheriff's department or whoever is cooperating with the feds on a brand new, uh, you know, infringement on the second amendment. What does that say for that? That, uh, is there any consequences right now that that sheriff's department can, uh, can, can see if they're going to, um, lead to the denial on a 19 uh, year old's purchase? Hmm. Yes, it's very good. It's actually as if you read my mind, because that's where I was going next, is that, you know, according to the Second Amendment sanctuary law that was passed by the legislature last year, uh, the, you know, the local law enforcement are not supposed to participate in the enforcement of any new federal laws or federal regulations that go into effect after January 19th, 2021. And so I would think that uh, if it was discovered that a local law enforcement agency, uh, Austin PD, uh, were involved with the feds in rounding up uh, people who were delayed and, you know, getting warrants and kicking in their doors to see if they were in possession of firearms, uh, that, you know, I think that the state, the state could look into pulling uh, state funds that they receive. Right. Speaking of funding, uh, so this bill has $15 billion in federal funding for mental health programs and school security upgrades. Are you familiar with that, Edwin? Oh, yeah. No, this bill spends money like a drunken sailor. <laughs> what is uh, that going to even pay for? What does that mean? Well, mental health programs. Yes. So there's a list of, of grants uh, that is, if you look in, if you look and see what the law specifically references, which I don't, I, I've got it in front of me, but I can't find it immediately. Uh, there's a list of, I believe, ten possible uh, grant programs that this would go to, and basically the red flag program is a new one that is going to be added to this list. And so what it will do is that a state now can say, hey, give us money. Um, and they can choose from this list as to what they want money for. And now red, the creation of a red flag program is one of those things that they can now choose to ask for money from the federal government for. Mm. So the red flag portion, portion of this bill, uh, well, law is actually, uh, I guess the least alarming, uh, because it does not, in which there, believe me, there are federal laws out there that are terrible with regard to red flags. What, what, are, uh, what, they, are, what are some of the implications just, just to cut you off real quick? Cause the, like my mind's going all over the place. All right. Mm -hmm. uh, well, as, as we're seeing, as we're seeing that the FBI has just listed things like the Betsy Ross flag, the Gadsden flag, et cetera, et cetera, as, you know, terrorist extremist paraphernalia, right? So what does this say for somebody who's going to be, you know, behind enemy lines as it were, uh, be it Illinois or, or anywhere else. Uh, and they contact the local law enforcement. It's like, Oh, well, you know, Mr. Jones doesn't have any record, but I mean, he does have that Gadsden flag hanging outside his house and he's got a lot of we, the people, uh, 
slogans and everything else all over his uh, his SUV. So you know, like, what are some of the implications here? Because you're talking about mental health, and we're living in an era where you know words are violence, and legislators want there to be the uh, the thought or the possibility of a problem to to be the problem, and they want to be um, proactive or, or preactive. Really, they they want pre crime. Oh yeah. Well, no, you're, you're absolutely right. And the one thing that this bill unfortunately doesn't tell us is that since it doesn't create a federal red flag and it doesn't mandate that states create a red flag, which are good things. Okay. We don't want that. Uh, but uh, the, the, the dangers that you're thinking of would have to be looked at state by state. And of course uh, the, the, the protections are, uh, in which this bill does say if a state creates a red flag program, they do have to have due process protections and they have to not infringe on First Amendment rights or Second Amendment rights. Uh, so it does give lip service to that. And I'm imagining that that is the compromise language that the uh, Republican senators thought they were doing. Uh, but to your to your thought is that, yes, this is the first step down a very slippery slope. Um, so you have to look at the specific wording of each state's red flag laws to find out who is allowed to report somebody to the system. Uh, most states right now have restricted it to uh, family members. Unfortunately, that also includes former family members, uh, which we all know right. uh, ex-spouses are notorious for uh, fabricating allegations mm -hmm. against their former spouse, mm -hmm. uh, particularly to gain a foothold either in the legal sense, like say in a child custody situation, uh, or just out of meanness and a desire to have revenge. Uh, so that's a biggie. Um, then uh, to see, you know, hopefully there won't they won't expand it to say neighbors or passerbys or just anonymous tipsters on the Facebook. Uh, that would be terrible. Uh, so you have to look at number one, who's allowed to make the initial report, and number two, what is the definition of dangerous activity or dangerousness? And previously with Texas red flag bills, which you know in a, in about six months we're going to see a flurry of pre-legislative file, bill filing, uh, which I'm sure is going to include a dozen different types of red flag laws, and the lack of definition with regard to dangerousness, uh, that, is the key, uh, that is the key failing of each one of these laws, is that, you know, is it going to be limited to actual physical acts of dangerousness? Or is it going to include all of these things that you would consider to be thought crimes? All right, we come back from you the know? break. We're going to talk about the $15 billion federal funding and mental health programs and school security. Going to talk about the red flag laws. Going to talk about the the boyfriend loophole. You're listening to Edwin Walker. Uh, he's with Texas U.S. Law Shield. This is Michael Cargill, and you are listening to Come and Talk It. Hi, this is Stephen Wolford, the Barefoot Defender. I get my global gun news from Michael Cargill at Come and Talk. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. 
Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. It's the most anticipated WNBA season in history. And you know what that means. Court is back in session. Welcome to Queens of the Court, an Odyssey original podcast. I'm your girl, Cheryl Swoop, And I'm Jordan Robinson. All WNBA season long, we'll be bringing you interviews with star athletes, analysis on your favorite teams, and lots of hot takes. Order, order in the court. Follow and listen to Queens of the Court on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now, here's Michael Cargill. All right, so we're talking with Edwin Walker. He's a principal tournament at Texas and U.S. Law Show. We're talking about the uh, Senate Bill 2938 that went into law on June 25th of 2022. Now, even though this, this bill went into law on June 25th of 2022, some, th- some things still have not taken effect just yet, even though technically they should be in effect. So... The, the Knicks, the FBI, the ATF, you know, they move kind of slow. You know, the, the your Congress, you know, they move kind of swiftly there. But unfortunately, ATF, eh, not so fast. Come on, man. I know, I know. So, you know, not until September 26th are they going to enact the Knicks Denial Notification Act. And that bill passed on March 15th of 2022. should have gone into effect immediately. But unfortunately, it takes a little while for the Knicks, the ATF to... You know, get together, meet, do the paperwork and all that stuff and for it to go into effect. So on on September uh, 26th of 2022, if you had denied a transaction in the gun store from a gun being transferred to you, you're purchasing a gun, you're denied or you're delayed, you will be reported to the FBI and local law enforcement, your information and also as of this moment in time, your address. So not sure if they're going to do the gun information just yet. That's always a possibility uh, because typically doing, doing denies and delays, they ask for the form. If they call us and ask for the form, they're getting your gun information because the gun information is on the paperwork. So not sure if they're going to contact the gun store and ask for that information. So just so you know, uh, we're talking about the serial number, make and model of the firearm that you're actually trying to, to get. Now, back to the gun control bill that actually passed in June. So let's talk about that. So we talked about the, you know, the 21, you know, the you being 18, 19, 20 years old and trying to purchase a firearm inside the gun store. We talked about that. Let's let's talk about that 15 billion dollars in federal funding for mental health programs and school security upgrades. Edwin, what is all that about? Well, it's it's the government, the federal government spending more money or making more money available. And so, of course, uh, when the federal government wants states to do things, uh, there are two different approaches there. There's the carrot approach and there's the stick approach. Uh, the stick approach is uh, what happened whenever the federal government forced uh, every state to raise its drinking age to 21. And they said, you will do this or you will not get your federal highway funds. So that's a stick approach. Fortunately, this bill does not do that. It uses the carrot approach, which says that if you do this, you can apply for uh, money from the federal government and we will give it to you. Uh, Now we know that there are states that love getting federal money. Uh, 
And so they will do it immediately. There are other states that value their independence and maybe won't do it. Uh, Texas generally has, you know, many times fallen into the latter category. Uh, but uh, one thing that is very interesting is that, and again, I believe this was part of the compromise, is that uh, there are several uh, different ways the states can access this funds uh, through the creation of, uh, of, of mental health courts, drug courts, and veterans courts, which most states have. The state of Texas has each, you know, counties who can afford to have it have these special drug courts, veterans courts, where cases get, you know, if you fit into a certain category, your case will be diverted to a court uh, where, you know, it's not a get out of jail free card. You don't get special treatment. Uh, I mean, you don't get your case dismissed or anything just because it goes to a drug court or federal court. Uh, but the judges and the uh, probation officers uh, have more of an ability to treat your issues with regard to that. And so that's one of the things that it does. And one of the possible uh, instead of saying, well, I don't want money for a drug court or veterans court, give me money because I have a red flag program. Uh, that's that's the part of this bill that implicates uh, the red flag issues. Uh, so hopefully, it, 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 even if it does motivate a state to create a red flag program, say the state of Texas, which does, which, which does kind of have a red flag program, uh, you know, I think that, that Chapter 573 of the Health and Safety Code adequately does what a red flag program would do. Uh, but if they try to create one of these red flag programs in specifically response to this legislation, uh, there are some things it has to do to guarantee due process. Uh, we'll just have to see if those work out. Uh, it talks a good talk, but, you know, we'll... Will a program that's done in response to this just simply to grab that federal money, will it do what it's supposed to do and follow the guidelines that this legislation says? That's something that is yet to be seen. Now, let me ask you this, Edwin, because someone asked this during the, um, on YouTube here. They said, hey, so could the city of Austin create a law that could take advantage of the denials or delays, de denials or, you know, delays from the the firearms transaction because they do like Going a, back, like a trigger law well yeah they could create a trigger law keep in mind trigger laws uh in which the state of texas the legislature themselves kind of pioneered this idea of trigger law uh with regard to the abortion trigger law that they created um yeah there's no since there's no immediate infringement on people's rights, uh, any law that is based on the trigger concept, which just for your listeners to explain, um, it is a law that says in the event a certain legality happens, uh, then this will now be the law of the you know state of Texas or the city of Austin or whatever uh, group is is whatever sovereignty has has created this. And it means that nobody's rights are affected unless this uh, this allowment goes into effect. Uh, for abortion, it was the reversal of Roe versus Wade, uh, which happened in the last Supreme Court session. Um, for the city of Austin, the trigger would be a repealing of the state's preemption law, which says that local governments uh, are very, very limited in the type of regulation they can impose for the trend, the basically the ownership, the carrying and the purchasing of and transfer of firearms. Okay. And now what about this boyfriend loophole? 
you know, you're dating someone, you're living with someone. What What's the difference between the boyfriend and just a simple roommate, like a college roommate? Well, that's the, the boyfriend loophole is actually the most interesting part of this entire bill because it, it, it has both good things and bad things. Uh, so where the, where the name boyfriend loophole comes from is the fact that whenever the, the Congress created uh, the ability to deny people access to firearms based upon the fact that they were convicted of a misdemeanor crime of family violence. And that's very important for people to remember. It's a misdemeanor crime of family violence uh, because felony crimes, regardless of their for felony violence, bribery, theft, whatever, a felony permanently makes you disa dis uh, disabled from purchasing or possessing a firearm. This has to do, this was the first expansion into misdemeanor crimes that would do this. So in order to be uh, denied your Second Amendment rights forever and ever and ever and ever and ever uh, for a misdemeanor offense, it had to be an act of domestic violence. And the definition of that act was specifically limited to uh, spouses and children and parents. Uh, so, uh, so it had to be somebody that you were either married to either formally or common law or someone who was in the same status as a spouse. Uh, so that means there have to be a factual finding that, that you were held out as a spouse or you acted as a spouse. And so, of course, what this, the, the loophole, and I'm, yeah, I'm using my air quotes, the loophole that was created was that many states, including Texas, have criminalized as acts of family violence any assaultive acts that were done for people who were in dating relationships, and which uh, Texas has a very loosey-goosey definition of dating relationship, uh, which basically says that, you know, the, the court, it's a, it's a fact determination. And so the fact finder, whether it's a jury or whether it's a, a, a judge, will look at, you know, the length of the relationship, the seriousness of the relationship, the exclusivity of the relationship to determine whether or not it was a boyfriend-girlfriend relationship. So uh, these convictions were not reported as disqualifying. And that was the loophole is that the anti-gun folks said, well, you're letting all these people just because they weren't married and they got convicted of assaulting their girlfriend, uh, they're not they're not on the list of prohibited persons. They should be, they're evil. This is a pro this should be a prohibited person. The boyfriend loophole now was was talked about. They they gave it this pejorative term boyfriend loophole, um, you know, because girlfriends can commit acts of family violence as well. Uh, so, but they gave it this name and that's what this bill seeks to close is that uh, there has to be a recent relationship. And this is actually more limiting than the Texas definition is that there has to be a recent relationship where the court will again look at uh, basically the, the intensity or the, 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 the seriousness of the relationship, but it does have to be recent. And this was always very troubling about the Texas definition of domestic violence when it came to people in a dating relationship is that it does not contain the word recent. And that is very troubling because you can have a girl, let's say you were boyfriend and girlfriend 10 years ago, uh, you broke up 10 years ago, you happen to see each other out at a bar or a friend's house or something, you get into a fight, 
um, the police decide somebody's going to jail because we all know that whenever they're called out to take care of a fight, somebody has to go to jail. That's just their policy. And so the person who gets arrested and now right. they're charged with family violence. All right, we come back from the break, Ed, and we're going to finish that thought. Also, want to ask you what happens because before it used to be if you're convicted of a domestic violence, that will bar you for life. What happens now? This is Michael Cargill, and you are listening to Come and Talk It. Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now here's Michael Cargill. All right, so Edwin, uh, we're talking about the boyfriend loophole. And so if you're convicted of domestic violence, you know, prior to this bill, then that would bar you for life from ever purchasing a firearm in a gun store. So what is it now? So if I get convicted of domestic violence, do I get my rights back? Well, uh, what's very interesting, and, and and I guess kudos to whoever wrote this particular provision of the bill, because it's actually it's actually written very well, um, and it does something that the original bill should have done. Uh, in which, number one, it, like I said, it limits it to recent boyfriend and girlfriend. So that's very good. Uh, but what it does is it explicitly says that the prohibition only applies to convictions going forward. It does not apply to any past uh, convictions. It only applies to convictions. So there's no ex post facto issues. There's no notice issues. There's no due process issues, uh, which which the current provision of people losing their gun rights because of domestic violence convictions, uh, it is th those those issues are rife through the system of people losing their gun rights for 25 year old convictions uh, where there was no family violence finding. However, the uh, the ATF or the FBI or the NICS they go through and they dig up and they say, oh. The, the victim or the complaining witness was a member, was a covered person, therefore you're denied. So there's none of those issues with this boyfriend loophole. Second is that while you are correct that a misdemeanor crime of domestic violence conviction creates a forever and ever and ever prohibition, uh, that is not the case with a with a conviction that falls under these criteria. So if you are convicted of a boyfriend loophole conviction, uh, your, your prohibition lasts for five years. Mm. Now, I don't want people to get upset if they're, if they're concerned about this, because keep in mind, it is a misdemeanor conviction. If you are convicted of a felony crime of domestic violence, you are a prohibited person forever and ever and ever and ever. So here we are just simply dealing with misdemeanors. It could be as small as a class C misdemeanor here in Texas. So basically, you have to ask yourself, should somebody lose their Second Amendment rights forever and ever and ever because they got into a shouting match uh, with their girlfriend and they were arrested for class C assault, which is basically verbal threats. Uh, and they decided to plead guilty to it because the prosecutor said, hey, look, $100 fine and you can get out of here. We won't, you know, you don't have to have to come to court. Sure, I'll take that. Okay, uh, let me, boom. let me, let me, oh, yeah, let me, so let me clear this up. Right All right, so let me clear this up a little bit. I, I want you to clear it up for me. So if you're convicted of a felony domestic violence, that would bar you for life, correct? Forever and ever and ever. Okay, and, and but if mind, we're, but it, we're, we're dealing with two types of domestic violence. We still have the old type where if you're convicted of assaulting your spouse, uh, that is under the old law. This just deals with these people in these dating relationships. So what if I'm conv convicted of, of 
of domestic violence of my spouse under a misdemeanor? Would that bar me for life? Correct, because you fall under the old law. Okay, so the if I'm law, so if I'm convicted of domestic violence for my uh, the under the under the boyfriend loophole, then that would and it's misdemeanor. Then it has to be a crime that took place after this law went into effect. Because see, that was the, that's the big complaint about the old law, and that's the unfairness of it, and, and what I believe is the unconstitutionality of it. Unfortunately, the courts have held that it's not unconstitutional. Is that whenever that whenever the the domestic violence prohibition went into effect, uh, the ATF or the Nick's background check started digging up uh, digging up. 20 year old convictions mm. and saying, Oh, guess what? We, uh, we went back and we asked the police department for the records of this uh, conviction, this incident way back from 1985. And we determined that uh, you were living with the person. Therefore we're saying that you were in situation, you were spousally situated in which the worst offender of this, the worst offender of going back and digging up things and claiming, you know, alleging that people have domestic violence convictions, misdemeanor domestic violence convictions, whenever they don't really, is the DPS. The mm. DPS is the by far the worst offender uh, because everybody who applies for an LTC, the DPS just starts digging in their background. And if they find a misdemeanor assault somewhere, the DPS turns around and says, oh, you've got a misdemeanor assault you got to prove to us now that the complainant was not your spouse or not your child or not your parent okay and that's they're, they're terrible about it they really are and they should be reined in by the governor and they're not they're just allowed to go continually abusing people like this and so that's fortunately what this will avoid because the law specifically says it has to be a conviction that happened after this law went into effect. It should have been in the law as it originally was passed, but it is not. And that's where we get all of these ex, ex, ex post facto enforcements of this uh, misdemeanor prohibition. Hey, Mr. Walker, I got a question for you that's not uh, wholly specific to Texas. Uh, it, it actually comes from the Pacific Northwest from my buddy, Catastrophe. So he wants to know about gun-free zones and use of uh you know deadly force say you know firearm you're you're driving by a school you happen to have your windows down you're hearing uh screaming you're maybe hearing gunshots too or gunshots and no mm -hmm. screaming uh you take your firearm onto that uh school or that gun-free zone to uh you know investigate you find out that yes there's someone who needs to be uh you know eliminated a threat that needs to be eliminated you do that successfully what is the probability and uh what's the, kind of the track record of good guys with guns getting charged with uh carrying a firearm someplace where they shouldn't have and i'm sure he's talking about provided after the fact that uh when the police show up within two or three minutes he's not shot and, and they don't think he's a shooter exactly correct yeah, yeah so, and, so, and, so that or know, a bar you know here, here in texas you know any any establishment that makes 50 percent of its business uh from the sale, sale of alcohol um, you know, if, if, if I'm walking by and all of a sudden bullets start coming out, this happens here in Austin on, on a sixth street all the time. So what's, what's that yeah, look we, like? Well, we kind of saw this, uh, playing effect with the, uh, mall shooter in any, what somebody prevented a mass shooting. Oh, okay. We'll issue a statement saying it was okay uh, for this guy to have the gun, but pretty much legally every state, 
uh, has a necessity defense in which it's not specifically you know, directed at self-defense or gun issues, but it's certainly ap applicable in which the law recognizes that there are those circumstances where sometimes you have to break a lesser law in order to prevent a greater harm. Yeah, I and think, that's I think one of the issue. one of the places where the question's coming from is because so many times, uh, you know, it could be, um, you know, uh, any one of these uh, Second Amendment defense organizations, they put out a lot of these horror stories of people who are either uh, just driving down the street and they get pulled over for, you know, a bad left turn or something. And then all of a sudden they're in handcuffs because they have a, a firearm in the car, uh, you know, or, or people who, um, you know, they stop a robbery or, or whatever, or they, they, uh, they, they stop an assailant who has, you know, deadly weapon with, with their own uh, concealed firearm. And then they mm -hmm. end up in cuffs as well. And I'm, I'm sure you've, you've uh, had to come to the rescue of a lot of these cases. Oh, yeah. And in, in which, um, like I said, it's it's the defensive necessity that you rely on. And what, you, what, the, what the defense is, is that, yes, I did break a law, but I prevented a greater harm. And I'll give you a perfect example of, of a case I did handle um, here in the state of Texas. Uh, there was actually a couple where the 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 girlfriend, girlfriend, fiance, wife uh, was a license to carry holder. So she had a license to carry. She carried her gun with her. Um, her her fiance uh, was a convicted felon. And so you had a very interesting situation where you had a license to carry holder who obviously given the uh, given the right to carry a handgun wherever she wanted was involved, you know, their spouse. A uh, significant other was a convicted felon, not allowed to have a gun, um, really at all. Uh, and they were in the car. She had a stalker, so she had a stalker. The stalker actually tracked them down. They were both in the car. Uh, they were going to the store or something. The stalker jumped in her motor vehicle, and so you have the stalker now who is in the car, supposedly, you know, presumably has a gun because he says something very menacing, like, if I can't have her, nobody can, <laughs> and reaches into her jacket. The, the, the fiancé felon knows where the, the, the wife, fiancé, girlfriend stores her firearm, grabs it, uh, chases the stalker away, fires a shot at him, uh, misses, uh, but fires a shot at him. Of course, bystanders see some guy in a parking lot shooting a gun, call the police, police arrive, police get the entire story and mm -hmm. the, and the DA's office says, Oh, what he admitted to shooting a gun. He's a felon arresting, charging with felon in possession of a gun. And so fortunately, uh, our very first setting in front of the judge, the judge was a very wise man. And whenever they read the facts, the judge said, wait a minute, wait a minute. So you're saying this man that you charged actually prevented him and his, his fiance from getting killed and you're charging him with felony possession. Yeah. Give and him the a medal. Don't give him charges. Yeah. Yeah. And the judge found no probable cause and threw the, through the case immediately out. And then just, I mean, this is the reason that I'm a defense lawyer and prosecutors make me really angry sometimes. The prosecutor said, well, we're still going to present the case to a grand jury. And if a grand jury finds there's probable cause, then we're still going to prosecute it. 
and which fortunately the grand jury also had reasonable people on it and they know they officially no billed him so he was officially let off the hook at that point um but his defense was the defense of necessity that was that was really the only defense we had is that the prevention of his death and her death was a greater good than the prohibition of against saying that a felon can't be in possession of a firearm. All right, and this is Michael Cargill, and you are listening to Come and Talkin'. Peace, this is Maj Ture. You're listening to Come and Talkin' Radio with Michael Cargill. Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now here's Michael Cargill. All right. So, uh, you know, Edwin, this bill wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. You know, the and that's the, you know, the Senate bill 2938 that went into effect on June 25th. You know, I thought it was going to be a lot worse. Turns out eh, not so bad. Wait till you see House Bill 1808 that they just passed. Well, yeah, nobody wants to see that bill. Yeah, that's not going to happen. Uh, no, that's terrible. Scared uh, that's bill. the bill we're seeking to prevent. Yes, uh, that's are. what that's what we never want to pass. Kill it. And and but like I said, it, with this compromise, it's <clears throat> you know you give them an inch and they'll take a mile. Um, so yes, this compromise could be the proverbial camel's nose under the tent. Hopefully not. Uh, one of the things that I think is really interesting about it is uh, the provision about straw man purchases and defining a straw man purchase in which it's uh, previously there was no, you know, there, there was, it was kind of an unusual, it was kind of a, a creative reading of the statute in order to prevent straw man purchases. Um, I know that ATF, you know, they have their campaign, don't lie for the other guy, you know, don't go to jail, don't create a straw man purchase, but it was all about lying on the form. Um, and which it didn't matter why you lied on the form, uh, your the the prohibition was there, and that was the you know that came about uh, that was kind of uh, articulated in the K the Abramsky case, which is the famous Supreme Court straw man purchase case. This now specifically creates a violation a violation of law for a straw man purchase, and it says that a straw man purchase is one if you're buying a firearm uh, with somebody else's money specifically to give it to a prohibited person, or a member of a cartel, or a member that you know somebody that you is involved in in terrorism and so it's kind of de- defined these purposes of these intent for the straw man purchase which that was abramsky's defense was he was like look i was just doing it because it was more convenient for me to purchase this firearm than it was for my uncle to purchase i wasn't looking to give it to him the, the person i was buying the gun for was perfectly legal to possess a gun why is this illegal why are you making it illegal for me to buy a gun with another person's money when they could have bought the gun themselves and they said well it's the whole purpose of the law is to make sure that we sell the gun to the person who was intended to have it now that there is a specific crime for strongman purchase and the key element is buying it for a prohibited person that makes me wonder that if a Bramsky was decided today under this new law would his defense of I'm buying this for a hundred percent legal individual is that now a valid defense to being charged with engaging a strongman purchase so you know if this turns out the way that I can theorize it to be, uh, maybe this law actually works a benefit in that regard. 
All right, so we've got a couple questions for you there, Edwin. Uh, so someone says, if I break a law to prevent a greater harm, does Texas Law Shield still represent me in court? Well, that is a coverage question. All cases are fact-specific, but yes, if you have a viable defense, uh, whether it's a you know any defense under Chapter 9 of the Texas Penal Code, which is where our defenses are located, uh, necessity is a viable defense, just like defense of self, defense of third party, defense of property. So, um, you know, Texas Law Shield looks at all viable defenses that somebody may have to a uh, you know to an act uh, to an act of self defense or, or weapons charge whichever you know whichever it may be so you know I can't I, I can say that that is the that is the 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 purpose that is the mission statement of Texas Law Shield is to defend mo- members whenever they have uh, viable defenses uh, like that uh, but for specific individual circumstances, uh, you know, we have to see what those circumstances are. But yes, is the defensive necessity a defense that Texas Law Show members have been able to use uh, for covered situations? Absolutely. Can I give you a hypothetical? Well, I, I, you know, okay. Okay. (laughs) So, so we got to start with this. (laughs) Here we go. We got to start here. Automobiles. How much time do we have left? Deadly weapon, correct? Six minutes. What is automobiles, cars, trucks, deadly weapons? Oh yeah, correct? Okay. Uh, certainly anything that is used to in, in an intentional way to create death or serious right. bodily injury right. will yeah. be defined. Now, as now you're in weapon. Houston, which is you know uh, pretty much road rage capital of the world. Um, <laughs> you're you're on a side road. You're pretty far away from any uh, realistic, quick or response time from from law enforcement. Uh, you got somebody who's just menacing you with their vehicle uh can you shoot out a tire on their car and get them you know to slow down or, or, or i can answer or wreck or whatever <laughs> and then and then and then and then call and then call law enforcement after it's like hey i can i can answer this because i've you asked did it? edwin this question you did it the answer is no oh. you cannot do that can't do that no can, can you Yes. They're tired and, and nothing we, to you. You cannot shoot. Well, However, well, okay. a, a better Great. question, uh, Edwin. You know it's your favorite. Uh, it's your favorite. It's Gary. Um, yes. <laughs> uh, can you shoot the person in the car if they're driving straight at you, trying to run you over? Okay. The key is that you have to be out of the car. Okay. That's that's really the key element that they're going to look at. Now, I'm I'm just talking about through our experience that, you know, if you are still in your car, the police and the prosecutors are going to say, look, you're still in your metal box. You're still safe. Uh, Air quotes protected. Yeah. Correct. And that the threat is not yet imminent because you have this protection. If you're outside the car and you're standing there just, you know, probably naked as a Jew, as a bird, as a blue jay. <laughs> as uh, what? As a blue, naked as a blue jay. It's an old phrase from the 70s. Yeah, that's a good Oy one. That, yeah, that doesn't get dumped. That's a good one. That's, Look, that's we all have different lifestyles. Right. Let's respect yeah, him here. You are, uh, that you are. Uh, if, if somebody's driving a car at you, then absolutely yes. Uh, those circumstances are imminent. You are definitely in imminent fear, and you definitely have the right to use deadly force, including shooting out tires or shooting the individual in the car. Uh, so that so being in the car is what creates the gray area. Well, You're outside the car, 
you're good to go. Also, conversely, if the attacker is outside the car and attempting to get into your car uh, where you are safe, and uh, once they make a, a, an attempt, an, an attempt to unlawfully and forcefully enter your car, you're given the protection of the castle doctrine. So basically, with regard to a road rage, when you're both in your cars, that is the most difficult case to parse out. And you do run the risk of being arrested and charged if you're both in your cars. But if he's out of his car and he's trying to get in, you're justified. Define trying to get in. What's what, what, trying to run you over? You're justified. What's a minimal on trying to get in? Reaching for my door handle or having had smashed out a window? What, what What's the well, minimal on that? Since since the law says that it is either an, a, an you know a completed act or an attempted act, it's the attempt to get into your car. Jiggling and the handles. Fact, uh, yeah. In fact, we just. <laughs> won a case in in Harris County um, where that actually happened. A man was trying to forcefully and unlawfully get into somebody's car. Uh, he reached he, for the door handle. He tried to open the car. Uh, he got shot through the window and killed. And that was basically the reason that the prosecutors prosecuted him was because they said he didn't actually get in the car. The reason we defended it was because we said he was trying to get in the car, which was an attempt. And fortunately, the jury, um, the jury found him not guilty and did so in a very expeditious fashion. So the jury had no qualms about saying the attempt to get into the car is the same as try as the same as getting in the car castle doctrine kicks can, in can i ask you a couple specifics the defendant was gender male female the the defendant was a male okay thank you the deceased was a male all right um they had previously been involved in a fight uh the the defendant tried to leave the fight uh, tried to get away. Uh, the other guy actually physically chased him down mm -hmm. and tried to get into his uh, door. Um, and and was the door locked? Uh, the door was not locked. Ooh. Okay. Ooh. So there's no requirement that the door be locked. Mm -hmm. There's not even a requirement that your window be up. If somebody reaches through, if you got a if you got a rolled down window and they break the plane of where the window would have been, right? Um, that's that's an that's an unlawful and forceful entry. Man, thank you, Edwin Walker. I appreciate that, sir. You've broken you this so down much. to us in depth. There, that's HR twenty four seventy one, Nick's denial notification, and also Senate Bill twenty nine thirty eight, that first gun control law in decades that passed uh, U.S. Congress and signed by the President of the United States. So starting September 26th, that's right. If you are delayed or denied a transaction in the gun store, you will automatically be reported to the FBI and local law enforcement that you are delayed or denied. So get your license to carry handgun so that way you don't have to worry about being reported to the authorities. As always, more guns equals less crime. You go out there, you buy yourself a gun. You've been listening to Come and Talk It with Michael Cargill. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. 
Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 